A new survey finds that McLean County can do a better job getting fathers involved in their kids' lives. That's one of the things you need to know to start your day for Tuesday, May 30th. I'm Ryan Denham, and this is WGLT's The Leadoff. Support for WGLT and WGLT.org comes from the Central Illinois Regional Airport in Bloomington with four airlines for business and leisure travel. Flying Sierra offers a nearby location for departures and arrivals that includes free parking. More information at CIRA.com. Now let's lead off with Bloomington City Council discussion about whether to apply prevailing wage rules to a private development project if there are government incentives at stake. That discussion is spreading beyond the apartment and townhouse project in question. WGLT's Charlie Schlenker has more. The prevailing wage statute applies to projects initiated by public bodies and not private development. Some council members say an $18 million multi-story apartment project downtown includes property tax breaks for the developer and prevailing wage should apply even if it's not legally required. The developer of the proposed upscale apartment building on the site of the former Coachman Motel says the project would not be feasible if he's forced to pay prevailing wage. Deputy City Manager Billy Taya says that does not mean the developer would take advantage of workers. I think it's a misnomer that developers don't want to pay fair wages. In a market that is as tight as this in terms of employment, et cetera, et cetera, when you're building, you have to, I mean, in order to get employees on the job. Taya says the dialogue is not just about wages. It's about what people are paid for sure, but also about training opportunities. It's about, you know, outside of this project, what could a plan or a program look like? He says conversations continue about balancing those labor wage interests with economic development. And whatever consensus emerges could have broader implications. There's a lot of building happening here now. There will be lots more building happening here now. Yeah, one of the goals would for sure be, how can we do something that could be helpful on projects going forward, regardless of what those are as it relates to labor? For now, Taya says consensus has yet to emerge through this dialogue. The proposed development agreement comes back to the city council June 12th. For the leadoff, I'm Charlie Schlenker. Here's some other stories we're following in the WGLT newsroom. State Farm has stopped selling new homeowners insurance policies in California, over concerns about destructive wildfires and the rising cost of construction. The woman who ran the troubled Top Paw Animal Rescue in rural Hudson has been criminally charged with three misdemeanors, accusing her of mistreating dogs and at least one cat. And the city of Bloomington says it's going to start charging $50 a month again for those using the gated area on the upper levels of the Market Street parking garage. The regular gate operations resume June 12th. Find more on those stories at WGLT.org. A new survey finds that fathers in McLean County are often underrepresented or marginalized within organizations and programs that serve children and families. That survey comes from a pair of Illinois State University researchers on behalf of the McLean County Fatherhood Coalition. It's an offshoot of BrightPoint, the agency formerly known as Children's Home and Aid. I spoke with one of those researchers, Jordan Arianas, and BrightPoint's Dorothy Davis about the survey and the Fatherhood Coalition's launch five years ago. There's not enough fatherhood involvement, and a lot of that is because fathers don't um, know that they can be involved sometimes. They break up, divorce, separate, and sort of assume the mom will take care of everything and move on about their merry way. But 
there is a sad lack when the father's not involved with children and families. The kids tend to get in more trouble, more legal trouble, their grades drop, they have social problems. So it's not a positive scenario for children. What are the kind of the things that it does uh, with that goal? Well, with that goal, we first started off with the goal of having a dad's group. So we got together and we found someone to facilitate the dad's group, and that started a whole different level of communication for dads. Got a grant from DCFS, and it's for fathers to be involved with their children, the grant is. So that allowed us to have workshops for dads. Uh, we have something called Dad's Talk, which is like a TED Talk, but not quite. And uh, we have different dads come on and talk about different topics. Plus, we got Dr. Jordan and Dr. Kyle Miller to jump on board from ISU and started doing research for us so we knew more specifically where to go with our coalition. Well, Dr. Jordan Arianes, let's uh, bring you into the conversation at that point. So how did this the Spring 2022 survey uh, come about, and, and what are some of the top-level findings? We sent out a survey to over 300 community partners in McLean County. Um, and these individuals based from within the schools or community-based organizations to the faith-based uh, leadership and also medical offices. And we learned that there really was this gap, like Dorothy was saying, in the va- actual available services for fathers. Um, we found that 85% of community organizations don't offer father-specific programming and only about 4% have reviewed their policies and activities to consider their level of father friendliness or even how they can improve their programs to become more father uh, friendly. We also found that only about 8% had actually asked fathers themselves about what their needs and concerns and interests were um, from from the, within the community. So in looking at your findings, you have this phrase in there that really jumped out at me that there is a, a systemic bias against fathers. I wonder if, if one of you can kind of explain that and how that plays out. There's a lot of services out there for women and children in the communities. But within saying that, that doesn't leave room for fathers. If the the services themselves say women and children, that doesn't necessarily talk about the men that are involved in these families' lives. But there's also, you know, policies that are out there that, you know, favor women as far as part of the uh, family relationships. Maybe that's divorce proceedings, or maybe that's even the imprisonment system, right? So there is some level of bias against men in these situations. And so we want to be able to go and provide services for these men to be able to overcome these stereotypes. This isn't just a pro-men idea. This is also pro-women, right? For example, if you consider the glass ceiling ideology, where we've done such a great job of getting women to be able to get to these top points within society, but on top of that glass ceiling is a layer of concrete that is all the myths and stereotypes that are about men. And until we start to chip away at those stereotypes, then we also can't fully support the lives of women as well. So this isn't just a men's only issue. This is also an issue that impacts the entire family as well. That's ISU psychology professor Jordan Arianis and Bright Point's Fatherhood Coalition staff member Dorothy Davis. You can hear the rest of our conversation tonight at 5 on WGLT's news magazine, Sound Ideas. Before we let you go, the Salvation Army in Bloomington is distributing fans to help keep people cool if they don't have air conditioning. Seniors 16 over with a documented medical condition can get one today from 9 to noon. The general public can pick them up June 6th and 8th. And that's it for today. I'm Ryan Denham, and the show is produced by Colin Winkleman. You can subscribe to the Leadoff Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or the NPR app.